Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. Um, we're in the middle, middle of a series called Family Vacation. Um, Named for no other reason than in the summer months, people are going on vacation. And in fact, I'm starting to get sick and tired of people posting their vacation pictures on social media while we're here in Los Alamos. But it is what it is. Um, all I have to say, but we are recording these things online. So it's a way to stay connected. And in this series, we're answering the top six questions that you voted on, you asked, and then you voted on. And it's been powerful the past couple of weeks. Today, we're going to be talking about um, what's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And before we jump into that. I just um, had a question. You saw a picture of it earlier. How many of you are scary movie fans? Anybody a scary movie fan? You like to watch some? Okay. We are going to have a special time of prayer for you after the service because there's something wrong with you guys. We, have, we will have our prayer partners down here. If you need prayer for anything after the service, they're right here. You could come and, and we are, are so grateful to have that resource for you. Um, scary movies. One of the first ones I remember watching. You can see it um, right there. Jaws. Um, as a little kid, being freaked out, he's going to need a bigger boat. And I remember, even still to this day, I love the ocean, but I am afraid of what's in there as, as well. Um, but that was one of my first scary movies. Now, scary movies today, uh, we can go to the next one. I can't even look, watch the previews for some of these things. Uh, that Yeah, some of you guys are freaking out right now just by even seeing that image. I can't. Uh, I can't do scary movies, okay? Um, it's, it's not good for me. I'll have nightmares. Now, the one movie, growing up as a little kid, that gave me nightmares, recurring nightmares, I was just dreading. And it's a good movie. It's not really that scary. But it was The Wicked Witch of the West, okay? You guys are all happy going down your, your yellow brick road, and I'm freaking out because this lady would come in and, to my dreams. She would open the door, and I'm laying in bed. And it's one of those when I'm, I'm just, I'm laying there, and I can't move. And she's got that, that finger and that big green nose, and I'm going to get you. And it's just inching closer. And it's one of those where I'm, like, try, I'm yelling, only in the dream where you can't, you know, ah, 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 nothing's coming out. I can't yell, I can't, you know. And I would have that nightmare over and over and over again. And it kind of creeped me out when first year of marriage, Rita and I um, get no, but I don't know what you ladies do with this green mask that you come out of the bathroom in and it just like sends me back to my childhood nightmares. Okay. I still don't know what that green mask is for, but whatever. I, I, I'm all, all for it. It just gives, okay, we can take that off the screen because she still scares me. What am I talking about? Nightmares, scary movies. Well, there is a verse in scripture that I remember reading as a, as, a, as a kid, as a teenager, and always kind of tripped me up. But I would say it would be my, my worst spiritual nightmare. And the way Jesus is, it talks about it, as we'll read, is in Matthew chapter 7. It's going to be a, a rude awakening, a, a nightmare for a lot of people, possibly on Judgment Day. He says it like this. He's preaching on the Sermon on, on the Mount which you can find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It is his longest recorded sermon that we have. And he says near the end of the sermon, he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter heaven. Now, we're going to next week, 
the question is, how do I know when God speaks? Kind of like, how do I know God's will? So we will answer that one next week. But he says, on judgment day, many, not few, many, will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. Many will come to him, having confessed, saying, you're Lord, Lord, Lord. But they're not making it in. So as, as, a, as a new Christian, I was looking at this and I would just be like, what, what is going on here? I mean, what weren't these people doing? I mean, they were doing so much here. They were calling Jesus Lord, prophesying in Jesus' name, casting out demons in his name, doing miracles in his name. Like, if Freedom Church were doing this, I would be like, hey, home run. You know, just like, we are knocking this one out of the park, right? Like, what are they not doing? But Jesus gives a clue here. So we don't have to be so afraid because it's just like, wow, this, these people are on fire. Verse 23 is the key. I will reply, I never knew you. They were doing, but they did not know Jesus. In a month, I'm going to be going up to Denver with my, with my five-year-old, at that time he'll be six-year-old son. And we're going to take in a baseball game up at the Colorado Rockies. Now, I'm not a Rockies fan. I'm originally from Missouri, so St. Louis Cardinals, that is my team, and they're playing. So we're going to go, and we're going to, we're going to go up there on a, on a Friday for the weekend, go watch a game, have a blast, father-son time. It's, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. But no matter how much I know about the Cardinals, which I know a lot. I follow them on social media and on Instagram and on Facebook. I like their stuff. I'll comment on it. I listen or watch to most of the games, all right? No matter how involved I am with that, when we go to the stadium, I don't get to go hang out with them on the field. It's not like I can call up Hall of Fame catcher Yadier Molina and say, hey man, I'm coming to Denver. Gonna see you, you know, let's go have breakfast before the game, let's go have lunch, hang out, and then, you know, well, the closest I'm getting in is what? The, the ticket that I bought. The seat that I bought. I'm not making it any closer. I guess I could make it onto the field. I could have some drinks, <laughs> strip my clothes off, and go running around and for a few minutes, and that would be a crazy pastor story, and then I'd end up in jail. It'd be real embarrassing, and, and we wouldn't have church anymore. Um, at least not here. I will not do that. I'm making it on. Why? I'm missing a relationship. Doesn't matter how much I know. Doesn't matter how much I like them. If I don't have the relationship, I'm not, I'm not hanging out with these guys. I just get to watch. And the key is Jesus says, I never knew you. They were missing the relationship. You could be the most moral person on earth. You could be the most sexually pure person 
growing up. But you can still bust the gates of hell wide open if you don't know Jesus. The doing part isn't bad, but you're missing the main part. They just knew about Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. And that's today our question. What's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God? And one of the questions you'd ask right up the front is, can you even know God? Can you even know Him? And the answer is yes and no. Because as Christians, we believe that God is infinite. He's, he's almighty, all-knowing, all-present, beyond space and time, the beginning and the end, from everlasting to everlasting. We describe Him as the Alpha and the Omega. Someone who is an infinite being, you cannot know fully. But we can truly know God. You cannot know God fully, but you can truly know God. Paul, one of the writers in the New Testament, wrote many letters in the New Testament as you, as you read them. He was um, on a mission and he was through, going through Athens, Greece. Very spiritual town. If you think about the Greeks. He goes through. He spends some time there and he gets a chance to speak with some of the great... Um, thinkers in that area. And in Acts chapter 17, you can read through it. But as he starts out this, um, this debate with them, this talk with them, he says, Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. Hey, you're spiritual. And we know lots of people who are spiritual. For I was, as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. One of your altars had this inscription on it. To an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. And he skips on in, in, in verse 27. He says, his purpose, God's purpose, was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. You can't know God fully. But you can truly know God, and guess what? The good news is, He wants to be found. Now, growing up as a little kid, play hide-and-go-seek, and man, if we were playing as teenagers, like, I love to be into hide-and-seek. It was one of those, like, you dig a hole in the backyard, you kind of bury yourself underneath it, get a straw, and like, you're, you're like poking the hole out so you can have a breathing tube, and like, two hours later, you're like, ha-ha-ha, nobody found me, you know, and they're like playing video games and eating pizza, and you miss the party. <laughs> But I want to hide and go seek. Well, fast forward, now I have two boys, five-year-old and two-year-old. We love to play hide and go seek. You want to know how, how, how dad plays hide and seek with my boys? It's like, start counting. One, two, three, four, five. Ready or not? I want to be found. The fun part of playing hide-and-go-seek with my boys is what? When they find me, it turns into a, a tackle fight, wrestling match, tickling. The relationship we get to enjoy. I, I want to be found because I want to have a relationship with my boys. Now it's kind of changed a little bit. I, I like to hide underneath the table. And so if they can't see me, I'm calling out to them like, hey guys, guys, hey, I'm over here, I'm over here. And then when they, you know, then I like to scare the crap out of them, which gives them nightmares. It's kind of weird, but you know, I, I still want to be found. 
in our Heavenly Father. Our Father is the same way. He's not far. If you seek Him, you will find Him. He wants to be found. Can we know Him? Not fully, but you can truly know Him, and He wants to be found. Jesus describes it like this. In Revelations chapter 3, He says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. What's the difference? What's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God? The difference is a relationship. And Jesus says, Jesus says, it's like a meal with friends. He's knocking. Anyone who opens the door, let's share our mirror together. Let's get to know one another. Have some grapes, crackers, cheese. Let's talk. This isn't rules. This isn't about doing. It's getting to know your Heavenly Father. What I want us to know today, the main thing that I want us to know today, how do I know God? It's a relationship. It's a friendship. He's got a table for two for us. And while the doing is good, and we will talk about that next week, he's way more concerned about who you're becoming than what you're doing. He's way more concerned about who you are becoming than what you are doing. You might be single and saying, I'm, I'm looking for the right relationship. I'm looking for the right one, the right person. But God would be saying, I'm more concerned about you becoming the right person, the right one, who I want you to be, than finding the one. This is why at Freedom Church, if you haven't noticed, we don't do a whole lot as far as like programs are concerned. Programs are good. They have their place. We got a children's program going right now. But as a pastor, part of the vision of this church is for you to be freed up to have a relationship with Jesus in your evenings, to be freed up to have relationship with your family, to sit around with the table. Or if you want to meet other people in your community, to be a light to those who don't know Christ, or to share fellowship with those within the church body, to be freed up to share meals together, to be with people, to just be. Because when you are here at this table, and you slow down the pace of life, and you allow God to speak into your life, and you begin to know who He is, and you start to see who you are th through Him, things become a whole lot more clear. The anxieties that we face, the stresses, the pressures that we face, the enemies, the critics, whatever it is that we're stressed about, everything becomes more focused here. So how do, how do we know God? 
I don't need you, you don't need me to tell you this. You know it. You get into his word. He gave us 66 love letters, 66 books in the Bible that is his word. Saying how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much he wants a relationship with you. You get in there. You build that as your foundation and you start to see who he is. When you start focusing more on God, who do you want me to become? And you allow that book to be the foundation of who you are and who you become. It becomes living and active and it starts speaking into your life. And then you'll know what to do. Then you'll know what to do. You pray. You spend time in prayer speaking to him. That's our conversation with him. Quality time. Quality time with Jesus. But if we're honest, when, when we actually get to the table, when we get to the table, which is a struggle just to get to the table, right? We get into this knowing about God mode. Where it's like, hey, I opened up your scripture and I learned something new today about you, God. I learned something new, um, this truth. And it was good. And then um, a couple days ago, we went and served our neighborhood. And, and that was awesome. And then, hey, we got this like major family decision that's coming up. And I know I didn't really ask you about it or we didn't really talk about it. We just went ahead and made the decision. But I'm going to ask when, when I leave this table, if you would just go ahead and bless that, because that would be awesome. And oh, by the way, that truth that I learned, it was so awesome because I ran into Susie the other day. And Susie so needs to learn that truth. And so I just, I just spoke that truth into her life. And it was, you know, I just, I told her, I told her that that's what she needed to do. And then I invited her to church and she didn't say yes. I don't know what was going on there. We'll talk about why are Christians such jerks uh, in two weeks. We'll handle that one. Oh, and I forgot. Since we're here and we're actually having this, let's go ahead. Can we do like a little a selfie? Because I want people to know that we kind of had this time together and it was so good. The meal was good. It's good. These crackers, they're great. Okay. Here we go. Selfie. Hashtag date night with Jesus. Okay, got to go. And we call that a relationship. Listen. God can handle any of that. He can handle any of that. But I want you to see the difference between knowing about Jesus and actually having a relationship with Jesus. And it's available to every single one of us every day. It would be as if Yadier Molina, my favorite catcher, Hall of Fame catcher, called me up and says, Hey, Mike, I know you're following me on Instagram. I know you comment on some of my stuff. You like to, I heard you're coming up to Denver. So when we are, hey, game's at 7, but let's meet for breakfast at 9 a.m. We'll hang out and then we'll meet at the game and we can, you know, it's going to be awesome. If that were to happen, which would be awesome, I would not miss it. He would say the date, he would say the time, he would say the location, and guess what? We're going to wake up and just stay the night there so we don't miss it, right? It would be crazy. It would be crazy if that were the case that I would, uh, I would miss it. Then Yachty calls me on the phone and say, hey, what's going on? I thought we were going to meet. And we're like, oh, you know what? I overslept. I just totally overslept. Or you know what? I woke up. But when I woke up, um, it's crazy. I got into this weird cycle of it was like 
First I checked my email, then I checked my Facebook, then I was Instagram, then back to, fa- then back to email, Facebook, Instagram, 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 email again, Fox News, Facebook, and I got, I got this weird cycle and this, the time went by and I lost track. Sorry, man. We have an opportunity to share a meal with Jesus every single day. The creator of the universe is, is sitting there waiting, saying, hey, let's share a meal together. In Scripture, um, there's an example of this doing versus being mindset. It's in John chapter 12. It says, uh, this is between, uh, it, it's a meal, a week before Jesus is uh, going to die. And he's with uh, Martha and Mary who are sisters. He's at their house in Bethany. And Lazarus is their brother. He had died. And then Jesus brought him back to life. All the disciples are there. They're having this meal. It says six days before the Passover celebration began. So six days before he's going to get arrested. Jesus arrived in Bethany. It's like right next door to Jerusalem. So he would stay there often. He'd go to Jerusalem, but he would go and stay in in Bethany like overnight. The home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha, the sister, she served. And Lazarus was among those who ate with them. He's there. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar. The sister, the other sister, took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair anointing him for burial. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold in the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So Judas, Judas pulls a Jesus juke on Jesus. You're like, what's a Jesus juke? It's like um, when you get excited about the Super Bowl, and you're like, oh man, Super Bowl, everyone's going to be watching, we're excited. And then someone's like, well, if people were just as passionate about Jesus as they were this game, that's a Jesus juke, okay? You see someone who's like ripped and, and physically just like, wow, that's amazing. And you're like, well, if they were just as faithful to Jesus as they were their health, then they would just all be different. That's a Jesus juke, okay? It's just like, just a, like, they're strong. They're excited about the game. Who cares? You know, big deal. You don't got to throw that in. Anyway, he throws a Jesus juke on Jesus. And we've all been there because it sounds so spiritual, right? That was expensive. Thanks to Judas, we know how much it was. It was like a year's worth of salary. Some, some estimates are like, hey, maybe it was about fifteen dollars to $20,000 in today's term. Just anointed him with fifteen dollars to $20,000. That could have been sold and used For the poor. Good job, Judas. Super spiritual. Be careful talking about other people's worship like that. Be careful talking about other people when they sit at the table, when they sit at the table and criticizing their meal with Jesus. We do that with other churches. Look at those lights, those TVs, all this stuff. We don't need all this stuff to have church. And they have all these things going on. Be careful, Captain Pharisee. I'm talking like that. Jesus knew. He, he said, Jesus said, leave her alone. 
she did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Basically, he says, hey, you care about the poor so much, Judas? You do something about it. And guess what? When Jesus died and was in the grave, and they went to go anoint him for his burial, the ladies came to the, to the tomb to anoint him. He didn't get anointed then, because he was gone. He wasn't in there. This was the anointing. Had she not done it, he would not have been anointed for his burial because on that Sunday when he rose from the grave, he was gone. They had brought the spices, but it wasn't going to happen then. This was the chance. This was the opportunity. See, Mary, she knew God. She knew him. And she gave. Like, think about it. Her brother, brother Lazarus was dead. And then Jesus brought him back to life. She had nothing to do with that. Only Jesus could do that. And spiritually, we're in the same boat. When we are dead, we bring nothing to the table to earn our salvation. Yet, yet Jesus paid the, paid the price for our sins to give us life. He brought us from death to life. So you can imagine her that night as the dinner is going on and she looks over and she sees her brother. They're having a dinner, a meal in honor of Jesus. And she says, this is not enough. It's not enough. There's got to be something more. You can imagine a relative or a friend who might be in the ICU, who's kind of come and go, touch and go for a little bit. In anything, you would give anything in that moment to have another conversation, another touch, another hug. And if, if God healed them, what price wouldn't you pay for something like that? Mary knew God, and she gave. She did what she could. That's what Scripture says. Judas, he knew about God and what he kept, what he could. He stole what he, he could. Here's the thing about Judas that you need to know, and this is why this is so deceptive for, for our lives. Judas was the most trusted disciple. Judas, the betrayer, was the most trusted disciple. Now, we could debate it, but here's my logic. Who was in charge of their money? Judas. Who do you put in charge of your money? Trust, trustworthy or untrustworthy people? Trustworthy. They had Matthew the tax collector there, right? He knew about money. That was his job, right? Except what do we know about tax collectors? Dude, hey, hey Matthew, man, I know you're in the club. You're a disciple. But guess what? You just keep throwing those parties for your friends. Don't touch my money. Judas was in charge of their money on the night when Jesus said, hey, one of you guys is going to betray me. It wasn't like they're all like, oh, well, Judas. They had no clue. One of the most trusted disciples. But the cost of that relationship to him was too much. Six days later, after seeing what she had done, after seeing Jesus' response to that extravagant worship, he walked away bitter and sold him out. 
for money. So how do we not get deceived? How do we not get ourselves in that position? How do I know if I know God or if I know about him? I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself. Only you can answer them. I cannot. Be honest with yourself. The first one is this. Do I have a present trust in Jesus Christ for my salvation? For salvation from my sins. And I, I use the word trust because scripture says, hey, have faith or believe. Which is correct terminology, but for us, I think trust is a better word to describe a relationship. Trust with someone would, describe, would imply intimacy, which would imply relationship. People who you don't trust, you probably don't have that much of a relationship with. So presently today, do you have a personal trust in Jesus Christ? What's your answer? If you were to deny tonight, what would be your answer to that question? Jesus says, why should I let you in? Are you going to say, well... I wasn't as bad as this person, or I went to church, and I, I did these things, and I did these things, or, or is it going to be, I don't deserve it. It's him. Jesus. He's the one. Second, second question. Is there evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life? Because when, when Scripture says that you have that relationship with Jesus, God will come and dwell in you through His Spirit. And that Holy Spirit has a job. And few of those jobs are, He's going to convict you of sin. You're not going to be perfect. But when you go to sin, when you're, you're going to have temptations, but you're going to have this Holy Spirit moment where it's like, nope, not here. Or if you are continuing to sin and you gave in to that temptation, you're going to know it because He's going to speak and say, hey, you know you shouldn't do that. That's his job. You're going to have, it says, the fruit of the Spirit will start being produced in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Those things you're going to start seeing over time. If you're not being convicted of sin. If you're not seeing those things produced in your life. It might be a warning sign for you to start really contemplating this. You don't want to mess it up. You don't want to get this one wrong. And the third question is this. Do I see a long-term pattern of growth in my Christian life? As I sit at the table, as I have a meal with Jesus, and then he starts speaking into my life, truth into my life. Maybe it's hard to hear, but he speaks. We have this conversation. Then I get up from the table and I go and I obey. And I go and do the things he calls me to do. Do I see evidence of that happening over time? And Jesus proving himself faithful. Maybe early on in my Christian walk, I did not handle things very well. I had a temper. I was not patient. I, I, I did these things and I struggled. But over time, as I shared meal and fellowship with Jesus, those things got better. Do you see that, that long um, that pattern of getting better over time? Here's the thing as we wrap up. And I know this, I know this. Jesus could have handled Judas's brokenness. If he just had the humility to sit at the table, he could have handled it. Mary shared a meal with Jesus. And she got down. And she anointed his feet. And the scripture says that she, she took her hair... And she wiped his feet with it. And as she poured out, kind of thought maybe it's just going to go away. But no, 
when she wiped her feet with it, that fragrance, what? Got onto her hair. And when she walked away from that meal, she smelled. That smell came with her. Smelled like generosity. Smelled like love. Smelled like sacrifice. Smelled like worship. And it filled the house, it said. She took that with her. She looked more like Jesus. Judas. He had that meal. He walked away bitter and angry. But there was one more meal that, that Judas had. It was at Passover, six days later. And you know what Jesus did at that meal? At that meal, there's a lot of things described, but one of the things that Jesus did, he said he took the position of a servant that, that night, got down on his hands and knees, and he washed the feet of the disciples. One of those being Judas, who he knew was going to sell him out and betray him. I think Jesus was trying to give him one more shot to know who he was. Judas, I'm God. This is who God is. I love you. You can know me. It's too much for him. For you and I, Jesus knows. He knows. And he can handle it. And this morning, he wants to be known. He wants to be found. There is a table available for you, a seat available for you. Jesus is available to you. The question this morning is, are you available? Are you available this morning? Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.